Yeah. Okay. So let's let's uh, switch. Uh, it, it, can we uh, can we make the yeah. transition, the segue to Xinjiang? Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I met a friend. I met friends who were, and I didn't make friends with with any. Like we had a few. We had few interns. One of them from New York, I think. And I think a few of them from other countries. So there's a bunch of interns in the organization, but I only made friends with mainland Chinese. Um, and through them, I met a few more people also from mainland because they hang out together. They do, uh, I mean, they do, they do uh, interact with Hong Kongers, but very often they hang out together. And actually, in every country, I mean, we had a few Chinese students in Helsinki as well, and they would just hang out mostly to, <laughs> with other Chinese rent apartment together with Chinese. I mean, I understand that very well. Russians do often similar thing. Yeah, yeah I think most uh, most migrants or immigrants, they 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 tend to because yeah. that's that's what's familiar. That's what's comfortable. So so it's a e lot easier to hang out with people from your own yeah, yeah. country, your own especially origin, when, right? you know, like share apartment is easier. <laughs> this exactly. type of culture. Yeah, yeah. So in Hong Kong as well, I mean, I, I hang out with, with these guys. And then one girl who is basically my best friend. And you end up with a girl as a best friend if she's not entirely heterosexual. You know what I mean? mm. <laughs> so like in China, it's very strange because they will not tell you directly. And you can guess mm. that it's something, maybe she's bisexual or something like that. But mm. they will even still have boyfriends and, you know, uh culturally it's very tricky yeah but i made i made friends with with few uh, people and this gal uh, who's like uh basically just a best friend of mine from china um it's a separate story because i'm i'm really worried about her all the time but um anyway she's from xinjiang and she said you should come to xinjiang if you like the central asian cultures and i also like the central asian cultures and always been into I kind of always wanted to go to Tianshan region and um, all this basically Central Asian area. But Xinjiang is almost nobody travels to Xinjiang. Even in China, not too many people take a trip. I mean, that's what the Xinjiang people told me. But it's so remote. Um, so she said, if you ever come there, it'll be like a miracle or something. She um, invited everybody to go to Urumqi and nobody comes. It's, it's remote. It's it's far, it's it's um, and um, I think also plenty of people kind of have this concern since the terrorism was there and right. the extremism and the terror terrorist attacks and so on. Man, I mean, like you you made me made me remember uh, back back in the days when I had a five million follower account on Weibo, I actually had. People from Xinjiang, uh, you know, Kazakhs, Uyghurs, and Han Chinese yeah. invite me to go, and like one person even said, you know, I will invite you to my wedding. But right. but then my my freaking Weibo account got <laughs> got got nuked by the censors. I, I was so I mad. I was so mad because like back then it was so easy also for me to access information inside China. Well, you have five million followers. Yeah. Like I literally can just post a question. Po like I for sure I will get an answer, you know. Like, oh, like yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I'm not sure exactly what happened in China. I guess there's some report I'm not hundred percent sure about. I will ask a question on my Weibo, mm -hmm, and yeah. sure enough, there will be some comments. 
to give me more contacts. That was so nice. But okay, <laughs> anyway, you're not well, about that's, me. That's that's censorship. Yeah. yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, very sad. But yeah, well, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was I mean, you, you had Weibo. I had I have had a couple of friends. And uh, I, I, I've made friends with boyfriends of these girls. And it's not like in other countries. I mean, in Finland, I never met a girl. Girl, right? I'm a guy. And then she would be like, meet my boyfriend, meet, meet my friends. It's more, especially the countryside Chinese and northern Chinese made impression on me that it's kind of open and hospitable culture. And let's all be friends. I mean, it's just my experience. Maybe it depends on the person as well. Maybe they just somehow like me. I don't know. And I also help them with some assignments, so they, they like me. I don't know, but um, I went and, and I met a few people. Eventually, eventually, I, I said I will come to Urumqi. She said, "No, you're not coming." Everybody says they're gonna come, but nobody comes. So I took, <laughs> I took it, and at that point, uh, um, it was like a break between the semesters. So I took, um, yeah, the first time. No, the first time I didn't take a train. I took a flight via like Tianjin. And if and a fly to uh, to Urumqi, and like people, uh, people were shocked that somebody's coming from Hong Kong to visit their friend, and it caused a lot of confusion because I think, as as I said, I think she's she's not heterosexual, but her parents might not know. And they nah. thought I, was like, I was a boyfriend from I was an older white boyfriend from well, yeah. they perceived me as white, right? And uh, I was a white boyfriend from Hong Kong. So that quite it's quite a confusion that for a week we were just like hanging out with our friends, but then her parents said that come and visit us, <laughs> come and have a restaurant <laughs> with us. But after after like um, hanging out there for the first time, it was winter, and so I didn't get like that much impression of Xinjiang in the winter. It's a break between semesters and like after Christmas, so uh, it's it's cold in Urumqi. It's minus fifteen, minus twenty. It's snowy. And we were just hanging out in restaurants. And so then I said, I must travel here, you know, for a longer period, if it's possible. And I must uh, come in the summer. And they said, well, welcome in the summer if you can. Come here and stay for as long as you will be able to stay. Because there, there are some limitations on staying in hotels for, for foreigners. I mean, um, because of these anti-terrorists and, and ex the, the extremification stuff going on. And... Um, but then I, I came back um, because I made a few friends there who invited me and said, come whenever you can and come as often as you, as you can. We like you. They literally, they literally said that, which, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Like how a hospital and, and a lot of them were Han Chinese, but one guy was also Mongolian, Mongolian ethic. And he was friends with like kind of integrated well in Rumchi. Um, friends with these guys and they just uh, invited me to come again and I said I, I will go again and again because uh, I was impressed with people first the province I haven't really seen much on the first trip but then I made a few trips more especially the summer of 2018 and I stayed for three weeks then I went back to back to Shenzhen because I, I was I, I made myself a, a Chinese visa and I was hanging out as much as I can between my uh, terms and between my assignments and then a lot of things to tell about this year because my mother also passed away and i had to go back to uh, russia for a while so then i i went back to xinjiang 
a few months after she, after she passed away. And people knew about that. And they didn't talk about death a lot in China, but I could see how they accommodated me like more than usual. And that, that probably kind of emotionally impacted me. I've been in Xinjiang, in Urumqi, because uh, people were, without being kind of insistent or anything, they were so accommodating. I felt like I was kind of restoring in there. And after all these experience, I mean, the last trip I took, I took a few trips. One of them, the longest one was like three and a half weeks, almost a month, in which I had, unfortunately, I had to um, go from one hotel to another because sometimes they don't want to have you for longer than a week because of some regulations. And um, mm. yeah, that kind of thing happened. Did you have to register when you when you go stay in the hotels in in Xinjiang? Did did the hotel have to register yeah. your presence with the police? Uh, well, it's the same. So that's the standard, a standard procedure, and you will also have to register everywhere you go. Like we went to the Yili region, right? And we had to Toli. That's another county, and we stayed in these kind of yurts. The ethnic it's type of an ethnic hotel, or you would say ethnic camping almost. And we stayed in this place, and we also camped, like we really camped in, in the camping. Um, and uh, in all these places, you, oh, have you, you were living in a yurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the hotel is literally a yeah. yurt. Okay, like a camping. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like a camping. And uh, and uh, also yeah. we did real camping. You can go to desert. You can go to uh, anywhere you're allowed camping. Probably a lot of areas allowed. I'm not sure how many. And you can go like camping in a in a, in a tent by car. But everywhere you will have to pass the security checks, and everywhere you'll have to register. Like the yurt hotel or the yurt camping, you also have to go to find a local volunteer or some local authority guy, who would often himself be like an ethnic minority, and he would uh, photograph you and register you, like they do everywhere in China. Yeah. So like everywhere you have to register, it's it's. People sometimes forget about this registration in other provinces, but if, if people go to Xinjiang, I'd advise not to skip it. You just always do that. Your security measures are really tight. Although, you know, it, after a few days in Xinjiang, that's that's one of the things about it. After a few days, I, I didn't really feel the overwhelming security. It's there and it makes you safe, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're... Because of the attitude of the people, because of the nature, because of the, especially if you go outside of the cities, you don't feel that there's a pressure. Although you have to from time to time stop, you go to like a block post, you, you go to, you go to, they check your documents, they check documents of people. If, if you go by car with your friends, for example, they'll check their documents as well. They see who's going where. So that uh, because I, I connect that, you know, it, People who go there might might call it whatever, like surveillance and so on. But if, if I connect that to um, the situation with terrorism uh, and specifically, you know, like persistent terrorist acts that happened for longer time than people realize it's, it's happening for decades in, in Xinjiang. Uh, basically, I didn't mind it because I know how. And people were telling me constantly, whenever they don't want to raise this topic, but you can raise this topic. Sometimes they raise it, but you usually I raised it, like about these, you know, bombings and so on. And you can see how people were terrified of that, because uh, the guys are like a little bit younger than I am, and they were teenagers when this all happened. For example, Orumqi riot, which happened in the summer, and a couple of friends that I have from Orumqi 
have been in the city during that time. So they still they don't live in fear because now it's much more like not safer. But um, it terrified a lot of people, including ethnic minorities, not only Han Chinese. In 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 the northern part of Xinjiang, that's for sure. And for southern part, it's culturally quite different. There's a lot more Uyghur. There's a lot less Han Chinese, and a lot less different minorities. Northern part is multicultural. Is Kazakh, is Mongol, is I mean Yining, right? Or Kunjang is used to be known. We call it Kunjang in Russian. It has Uzbek, Kyrgyz, Russian, Kazakh quarter, like Tatar. Tatar, that's right, Tatar. And it's a multicultural city. It, or you can call it intercultural because of the because of the pe- people all borrow from each other there too. Oh, it's, it's also Hui. So uh, the southern part, I've been shortly also in Kashgar. And it's like, it's culturally different even, even for people who are from Urumqi, like friends of mine who are Han, they say this is like a different country <laughs> to me. It's, it's, it's really different. The yeah. Tarim Basin is one part and the northern part is a different part, but that's part of, so I traveled mostly in the northern part and a little bit in the southern part. You have to like fly to Kashgar because uh, going there by train is very long and a certain time the highways also closed uh, some highways also closed like in the winter whether even in the summer even though it was in the summer i flew we were flying to Kashgar. It's, it's like so much to it would be easier if you ask because i start to be chaotic with this jumping from time oh no 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 it's fine i mean like because i'm just trying to absorb as much as i can if uh, you ask your uh, description because, you see I, right i mean for me a very very um a rich year happened between with both bad things and good things between late 2017 well, middle 2017 to like late 2019 somewhere, uh, 18 and so many things happened in Urumqi every day was something and when we go out uh, out of Urumqi to a few different small towns everybody wanted to call me or message me on WeChat even if they don't speak English and I don't speak Chinese I, I, by the way I don't speak Chinese uh, sadly um, well, maybe like a few phrases, right? But well, typical foreigner who can understand tones. Uh, well, you were only in Hong Kong for like a year, right? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, you didn't you didn't spend a lot of time. Um, so, yeah, so you actually went to Xinjiang uh, after the the you know the supposedly crackdown at the starting like during the that's <laughs> during the crackdown. Yes. Say. Yes. Yes, yes. So right in the middle. Um, like, did you when when you were in Xinjiang uh, traveling? Did you sense like were were people tense? Uh, you know, you know, or they, did they just seems like they're just living their lives normally? Or or was there because because like you know when people watch say like the Vice documentary to mm-hmm, Xinjiang, yeah. there's a Vice documentary by. Um, I've seen it. Yeah by Isabel, uh, yeah, Isabel Young, and there's always, like, the ominous music, and, and yeah, it seems yeah. like there's no, they, surveillance they, they, around the corner. Yeah. There they lied in that documentary. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there for longer than these guys, um, and I've spent time there, and I, 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 it's, it's a lot of it is actually lies, or maybe they knew that they're journalists, 
and they maybe had like people following them. I I don't know, but to me it looks like full on lies. And I've seen a lot of these lies in Western media, a lot of it. Every time I see some sort of report or um, article or a documentary or a vlog the, of that type, the same style as this vice documentary, I can see how many things are distorted, twisted, or just lies. <laughs> when you're in China, you just take a ticket and you go to Xinjiang. That's all. People, people, when you travel, people are not very dumb. Vice is basically to me like the hipster, the so-called hipster journalism, but that's always peddling some kind of a U.S. State Department agenda. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they have they been doing that, that for they years. They did that with Ukraine, and now they do this with Xinjiang. It's always the same. You know, I'm, I'm very, yeah. I'm very. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was yeah. very unhappy, particularly with this documentary. That's why I created. One of the points for me creating the Twitter account that I have with Tim Palapalainen, right? Or was it Tim Pakarialainen? <laughs> yeah, is it just a oh, nickname? Wow. By the way, it's just a nickname because uh, my 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 name is not Tim Patimpo. It's a nickname that is I got in Helsinki. Anybody who okay. has we'll, we'll, we'll use Timba for for the podcast. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> <the> yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's it, um. It's, it's a nickname that you given to anybody with first four letters Timo, whether it's name or surname. So it's like basically name is <laughs> Anyway, uh, so and, uh, yeah, in Xinjiang, for your question, uh, no, people don't seem that tense. And it doesn't seem that tense atmosphere. You feel the atmosphere of security, heavy security measures, uh, constant ID checks, even on the street. You go out and they'll check your ID. Uh, not only like when you enter the, they'll do that when you enter like a, like a mall, but in everyone, like in the foreigner or whoever, when you travel every, I don't know, hundred kilometers or 200 kilometers, something like that, or 500, I'm, I haven't been everywhere, right? They will have a check post when they, when they, you, you go out of the car often and you show your uh, ID and so on. And then they let you go. Every time they just let us go. When I was, I was never... I, I didn't take any trips alone, except right nearby, Oromchi, to the small lake. But whether you're alone or other people, just ID checks all the time and the kind of security measures that definitely feel like you're, that maybe the province, you can feel the province was under threat of bombings and all of that type of thing that the terrorists were doing, <laughs> the so-called East Turkestan terrorists were doing. Um, yes, it feels like a crackdown on terrorism. Yeah. When you ask your friends in Xinjiang about this terrorist attack, about what's happening in Xinjiang, what do they say? What do they say? They say they, they say that they're glad that it's gone and it's over. It's over now, and they hope it never comes back. That's what they're glad about. One of my so, friends so had they're, they're happy. Yeah, one one of her friends had experience and told me about that. Uh, her family had to move from a smaller town to Urumqi because they were threatened to, like. Uh, they were threatened that they, they would kidnap their daughter with that girl, right? And uh, when she was younger. Wow. And uh, that was the gangs. That concludes a preview of my interview with Timba, a ethnic Karelian from Russia, Karelia, who had worked in Hong Kong and traveled extensively in Xinjiang. For the rest of my interview with Timba about his experience in Xinjiang, uh, please go to my Patreon site, uh, go to www.patreon.com, search Silk, 
Uh, my podcast, the Silk and Steel podcast, should be the first result that comes up. Uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, lessoning and I hope you subscribe. Thank you. Bye bye.